Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting-edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. And today we're going to be talking about after-the-click stuff because Cossum's not here, and we're thankful that he's not here, actually, because he just would have gotten in the way, I think, because today's show is all about one of his favorite subjects, which is funnels, but not just funnels. It's also about just everything after the click and offers, how you can augment, change, optimize offers in order to scale and grow your business. And there's really nobody better in the world that I want to talk to about this than our very own. And you might say, yeah, there goes Ralph again with a shameless tier 11 plug. But you know what? When you want to get the best on the show, sometimes they're right there like right under your nose, right in our conversion architecture department. And it's our conversion architecture lead and funnel specialist, Maria DeBreva, coming on today to talk about funnels. You can talk funnels the entire time, and no one is going to say that a funnel isn't the most important. Well, it's half of the effectiveness of your advertising, half of the effectiveness of your online marketing. Are we? I always say that, but like you're actually the specialist. Do you do you agree with that sort of broad reaching statement as far as like what rules the online marketing world right now? What's your sense? That's pretty much what we're doing in conversion architecture. We are focusing on the after the click process for our customers. What we're doing is we are making the advertising efforts as effective as possible. So what that means is they generate so much more revenue or leads or whatever our goal is without spending more money on advertising. And that's the whole goal of your online marketing, everyone. It's not necessarily just to pay more, but to actually make what you are paying that much more effective. I think there's a lot of businesses out there that forget about this. And I think that's what today is all about. Yeah, obviously, Maria works at Tier 11, but you as a business owner, you as a CMO, marketing manager, and you're in an agency, like this is an area where we've realized that things are changing in the social world, especially, obviously, diversifying our platforms. And this is just sort of a proxy for what I think most successful businesses need to do. Like we've just been a reflection of the market itself. The, mar the market, the advertising market isn't getting cheaper from a CPM standpoint. So that means you need to do one of two things. Either make your ads that much better, get your offer that much better, or your experience after the click that much better, which is exactly what Maria's team does. And it's not just all like CRO and optimization. It's all about, and we'll get into in today's episode, we're going to be talking about a specific customer where we radically changed how they acquire customers on the front end. Like this is a major change. And a big risk, which her team was able to successfully produce here. And it, it's like I said before, this is not a commercial for Tier 11. This is about you guys 
out there looking at things differently because the landscape has ultimately changed. So speaking of cool things that you've done, I know there's another customer, not the one that we'll be talking about today, where you've implemented sort of a, a nugget here that maybe people aren't really all that familiar with, and it started to really transform yet another business. Can you uh, drop the the four one one on that for this particular nugget regarding quiz funnels? I believe. Yes. So quiz funnels is has always been a hot topic, and many of people in the marketing world are aware that quiz funnels do work, but do they really know how to make them? Do they really know how to make one successful? So what we did with this customer is they are an e-commerce client. So quiz funnels are not used as often for these type of businesses. But what we did is we took a specific issue that their product is solving and we created a 10-question quiz regarding this medical issue that people are experiencing. So we made the question specific towards them. And at the end, we requested their email and provided them with the solution, which is the product of our customer. What this actually resulted in is this simple 10-question funnel resulted in 50% completion rate. And out of these 50%, 20% left their email and went into the sales page to actually get to know what the solution is about. So using the power of quiz funnels and actually quizzes in your business is something that every type of business can utilize and can take advantage of. They're really simple to make and you don't you don't need assistance. You can set it up in a couple of hours or in a couple of days and get this going and start getting not only cheap leads, but also effective results. Get your own data on the matter, get more audience to your email list, and even get more sales for a reduced cost per acquisition. That's tremendous. I think there's a lot of people that out there that think quiz funnels are super cumbersome. Like we've had Ryan Levac on this show, and we'll leave links in the show notes. And he is a huge advocate for quiz funnels. But in his case, a lot of the big objection is this takes so long to do. Like I have to do all this research, I have to do all these sorts of things. In this case, it was really figuring out the biggest pain points of the customer and just putting it into 10 questions. And that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it in this particular case. And you've got qualified leads. You've got people who have actually viewed the sales page. And oh, by the way, you know, the product that, you know, you have this problem around might this product might actually solve that problem, which quiz funnels can go either way on that. We've done them where you know, every solution to every problem is the same product. Like you actually have to really make it so that it's legitimate in so many different ways, but it doesn't seem like it took you guys too long to set this thing up to get $10 leads, which is pretty tremendous in the e-com space. Definitely. It actually took us about a week to set this up completely from doing the research on the type of questions to ask and finding about the main pain points to trigger in the user so that we can turn them into questions and really make it about them. The actual quiz needs uh, to be only about the user, nothing about the company. We didn't even have any sales letter or any messaging on the quiz page. It was all about them. It's only about how they are feeling, 
what their problem is. And that's what people want to see. They don't want to hear about your solution before they have the time to express themselves and to say, okay, this is me. They actually care or this is, this is me represented on this page. I can see myself there. Yeah, which is so key, which is what we're going to be talking about here on today's show. Like that's it's a big part of everything that you do is figuring out what their problems are, all the, you know, in the ca- case of this case study, it's the things that they loathe to do. They feel like they're trapped. You know, they just despise doing this one thing and we provide a solution, maybe a different solution than maybe they had originally thought would work. And then ultimately getting to them where they need to be, which is the solution to all these problems is the particular product. And we'll get into that in today's case study. So good takeaways there. And definitely look at, at quiz funnels and go back and listen to that episode with Ryan Levesque. It, it can be a longer process, but I think with every individual product, even in the e-com space, this can be done. And I know these guys are pretty excited about what we're, what we're doing for them and certainly taking them from zero to hundreds of thousands of sales online in a very short period of time. Because we're going to get into the case study itself and all the things we made mistakes on to start off or what did, didn't work things that didn't work first. And we'll get into how we were able to crack the code on all this and ultimately get them to where they need to be and getting leads and sales online. So we'll be back with Maria just after this quick break. You're listening to perpetual traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are here with Maria DeBreva. She is our conversion architecture lead and funnel specialist over at Tier 11. We're going to be talking about a case study here today in the physical therapy niche. This is sort of a service-based niche. And when we first started working with them, we didn't have a whole lot of success. Maybe you can talk about that to start with. I think everybody was a little bit frustrated, but we stuck with it. And 
you've been a listener of this show, there's a lot of failure in advertising and marketing. And, you know, 70 or 80% of the time, if you're failing only 70% of your time, you're doing pretty well. You're in the Hall of Fame. But Maria, tell us about this particular customer and how our approach sort of started off with them and what results that we got. Definitely. So this is definitely going to be a story of mistakes and how many we made along the way and how we actually fixed them. So a little info. This, as Ralph said, is a client in the physical therapy industry. But the specific offer that we were working on is a masterclass program that we needed to get as many booked goals as possible. So we weren't really involved in the sales process. This was handled in their, from their internal team. But our job was to get as many booked calls as possible. The funnel process was the following. We have a registration page that leads to a masterclass training. On this masterclass training, they are pre-framing them and letting them know about this program and making them apply for it. So the application process was, I think, 18 questions or something super long that is pre-qualifying the leads and then they need to book a call. So it's a long and lengthy process that when we started with our analysis, we found a lot of issues with. So there was really no messaging. There was a lot of issues and a lot of breaks in the user experience path. So we did everything right from the start. We did the boring but necessary research. We started with a deep dive. We reviewed the performance. We created a report with all of the problems that we could found and how to resolve them. So the plan was to use the same funnel process as I just explained it, but to focus on conversion rate optimizations, improving the messaging, improving the layout, improving the design, improving the call to actions, and all of these little details that we found as an issue on these pages. So this is exactly what we did. We created pretty much a duplicate of this funnel. And we redesigned and we built all of the pages one by one by addressing all of these tiny little issues separately. And this is usually how the process in conversion architecture goes. This is this is what we apply for the majority of our customers and for the majority of our project. And this is pretty much a successful process that we've implemented on and on again with different customers and it has brought us a lot of success. So we of course thought this was going to be the case here as well, because as I said, we did everything right. We, we were prepared, we could have backed our, all of our decisions with the data that we found. So the funnel is built out and we launch it and we start getting traffic to it. And then what happens is nothing. We get exactly the same results as their control funnel we were at least i was shocked if i could say because the the funnel was better like i i don't want to brag about it but it was better built better messaging better layout better user experience everything was improved but still the results were exactly the same so what do you do when you get that you start split testing and that's what we did we started testing different messaging, different layout. We experimented with bringing different sections in different places, like the actual opt-in for the masterclass to bring it higher up on the page or reduce the content if people are not 
willing to read it all. And we started testing and testing and testing. And I think we ran about eight or 10 different split tests. So 10 different variations, these pages. And the results came inconclusive pretty much every single time. Sometimes they were a little low than the control, sometimes a little better than the control, but still inconclusive and still not what we were hoping for and not what we wanted and promised to do for our customer. So what do we do now? We You're pretty frustrated at this point. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like it. with all these different iterations. I mean, you started like this this makes sense. Like you take what they already have. It's a registration for a webinar, right? And maybe we can talk about just that unto itself and like what your thoughts were there. But really what you did is you just took like their control page, which they had been using for a long time. And I don't think they had ever changed it. And this is one of the big things. It's like your first time changing up or in it, you know, oftentimes you're like, all right, well, we're immediately going to get results. All right, we're going to do like all this deep dive research through something that we call the creative lab. We have our copy chief that does like two weeks of research, like gets really into the heads of, in this case, these people in the physical therapy niche, like what is really their pain points? And you uncovered that. A lot of it had to do with like insurance-based stuff and just feeling trapped and controlled. And like, these are all great things. And it totally makes sense. Like, oh, okay. If we go in and really talk to that avatar on the front-facing ads, and there's a consistent message once they click, to register for a webinar, we're going to get a lift, right? Like the conversion rate on the page is going to increase. They're going to get more booked calls. They're going to make more money. It's a logical conclusion. And this is sort of how we start in most cases, right? But you did 10 iterations of this thing. And you're like, wait a second here. Like, why isn't this working? Like, what, what were you thinking at that point in time? Or what, what was your mindset? Frustrated to say the least. That That's for sure. So I remember thinking like is what what what's wrong what's happening we did everything the way we usually do and the way it's supposed to work and all the numbers were there the logic was there but the results were not there so th i remember this pivotal moment for myself when i had to had to admit to myself and to the team that okay we we made a mistake something is not something's wrong something is not the way it's supposed to be and I think this was a very pivotal moment for this project because it put me and the team into solution-oriented mindset. We had to admit to ourselves that something is not okay, something big is not okay, since with 10 iterations it couldn't be fixed, in order for us to move forward and actually find a solution for this. So we did 10 iterations. We admitted to our, we admit to ourselves that something is wrong, something is not right. So now well, what do we do now? We cannot just leave this project and just say to the customer, okay, that's not working. We couldn't make it happen. But it was necessary for us to say that's not that's not working. We need to make a change. We cannot make 10 more iterations and just go into the same direction. So I remember at this at this moment I was I was not even on my computer. I was rocking, walking around at home and, and thinking about it and thinking, thinking all of the steps that we took so far. Where could it be that we went wrong with this project? So I decided to put myself in the shoes of the user and 
to imagine the process in my head without even sitting on my computer. I was just, because I know this funnel so well, I just could, I could, I can put it in my head and just walk through it step by step. So, okay, I'm seeing the ads. Now I'm getting on this page and I'm seeing this, I'm clicking this, I'm reading, I'm reading this headline okay, what am I feeling? Is this exciting? Is this is this interesting for me? Maybe maybe it's not, maybe it is. Okay, I'm a little curious. So then I go to the next step and and then this is what happens, et cetera, et cetera. So I walked myself through the whole process as, as if I was in the shoes of the user. And what I realized then is that there was no connection between what we did on the, at the front end of the funnel with what was in the middle, which was the masterclass. So everything else was optimized to perfection, really, with all of these iterations. But still, one thing remained the same, and this was the masterclass training, which we had no control over. The masterclass itself was interesting. It was pretty well explained. The offer was presented well, but still... It, this does not matter because what we found out is that the user is not really interested in it. They don't spend enough time on it to listen to the offer and get on the next steps of the process. So no matter how many iterations we did at the front end, the middle was broken. We, we couldn't get them past this. So what I realized then is that by doing the same thing, by doing the same process, we cannot get that much different results without without modifying it. So doing the same thing, but improving it is not going to get us a lot farther than where we already were. And we had to make a change. We had to switch the process. We had to make we had to switch to a different funnel process. And in this case, this is a this is a webinar. This is a masterclass. This is a you know webinar registration so people so they know it we might you know leave some links in the show notes for you to be able to get this depending on on how extensive it is but in essence it's a webinar registration we have ads front facing ads which talk to the pain points and then the webinar registration we kind of talk about it but there's a webinar registration and then there's a webinar broadcast and then after that there's an application and it kind of goes through that whole step but the webinar itself like you really didn't have a whole lot of control on it and maybe just talk briefly before we get to the solution, which we'll do after the break. Like a webinar now, like people know what's on a webinar, even in this type of industry. Like people know, all right, you're going to get some juicy nuggets, but there's probably going to be a pitch for something at some point. Like what's your sense of like a webinar just as a, uh, you know, a customer getting system just in general? So it's getting more and more difficult to make an automated webinar work. It has to be something really specific, really interesting, something that it's it's a no-brainer for your user to sign up on this webinar without them thinking, okay, they're, they want to sell me on something. Because at this point, it has been running for so many years that people already know the drill. They know that they're giving their email, they're going to learn something interesting, but then you're going to sell them on something more and they're going to, have to spend money? Do they really want to spend this hour of their time watching you leading them into a sales pitch? Probably not. So it is still possible. I am not. I'm not scratching 
webinars completely. It is still possible. It is still successful for many for many businesses, but not as, as it used to be, and it's a lot more difficult to make it work. So unless you have like a this amazing topic which is super niche down and super specific for your audience, I would say that maybe webinar funnel is not the thing for you. Got it. Yeah, makes sense. So to summarize, so we are at sort of the middle stage right now. So we've got this customer in the physical therapy business trying to grow their business using webinar. We've now done 10 different iterations of messaging, copy, lots of different variations. And Maria's getting a little bit frustrated here, but she's starting to sort of think to herself, all right, what can we do? And this is oftentimes what happens inside conversion architecture and inside after the click stuff, especially if you've been running an offer for a while, your first couple iterations might not work, ladies and gentlemen. And it's just all a matter of taking a step back. And my wife tells me this all the time, is that you have to get away from work to solve your work issues. And it sounds like you're able to kind of come to that. And we will get to that solution. It's not what you think right after this quick break. Hey guys, it's Kasim here, and I'm so sorry to be the doom and gloom guy, but I'm hoping this acts as a bit of a wake-up call for you. We've been talking a lot about how the iOS thing has advertisers flying blind, sprinkling in the rising cost of ads and supply chain issues. I think we have a real entrepreneurial challenge ahead of us. And the bad news is, a lot of businesses are going to be washed away over the coming months. The good news is that the ones who adapt are going to come out even stronger. That's why it's important to focus on the things that you can control. Tighten up your website, improve your CRO, collect as much first-party data as you can, and test, test, and do more testing. And if you need help with that, go to our friends at Conversion Fanatics. They're running hundreds of tests in all sorts of industries, so they know what's working now. Check the show notes for the link, or you can visit them at conversionfanatics.com. All right, so welcome back to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. We are here with Maria Dreva. We're talking about a physical therapy business that really we have not been able to successfully crack the code on how to convert traffic that does not know who they are into actual leads and ultimately sales. So you're getting a little bit frustrated at this point, but you take a step back, you go, you think about it offline. And even though you've done all this creative lab, deep dive research into the avatar and what's really frustrating, their pain points, and you've tried all these iterations, it's still not working. And even though it's a webinar, which, you know, a lot of people know what webinars are these days, it's not that. But you get a sort of a, a, a brainstorm or maybe you collaborate with the team. And what do you guys come up with for the next step that ultimately leads to success here? What I did in this specific case, after I admitted to myself and to the team that, okay, this was a mistake, something is wrong, something is not okay, is I was not even in front of the computer. I was just sitting or walking around at home, and I was I was running through the funnel process in my head. I was going step by step. I put myself in the shoes of the user, and I was going in my head, not without even a computer, step by step, what these people are seeing, where they're clicking, what they are thinking. I, I was the user and I was I was trying to figure out what exactly are they thinking. So what I discovered when I did this is that there is one 
section of this funnel that we have no control over. And this is the actually the main sales tool. And this is the masterclass. This is the video. Of course, we reviewed it. We watched it. We did an analysis on it. It's actually one of the very few masterclasses or webinars that I've watched that are actually interesting. The topic is for the right audience. It's interesting. The presentation of it is interesting. The sales, the sales portion of it, the offer portion of it was really good. So we couldn't, we didn't even recommend any changes to the masterclass initially when we started because we couldn't find any big issues that were worth addressing. But from all of these iterations and from all of these changes that we made, what I discovered is that this is where the breaking point is. This is where people are dropping off. This is where we are losing them. And I had to figure out a way on how to fix this. One thing that we could have done was to suggest to the customer to record it from scratch and do a completely different masterclass. But would this bring different results? if the current one, which is actually good, is not doing so. And the thing that we decided to do in, in the conversion architecture project was to completely redesign the whole funnel process and remove the masterclass training from it. What we did instead is we took all of this valuable information that we had on this masterclass and we turned it into copy. We turn it into messaging. We took the most valuable sections and we put them on a front-end landing page. So we were actually driving traffic directly to this big pile of value. We weren't asking for anything in exchange, not even their email. So what this resulted in, it was not only that um, it spiked the interest of our users, but we were also able to put them into a mindset where they needed to fight to get into this program. So we completely shifted the mindset of the user from begging them to join the program and apply for this consultation calls or just these calls that the client is having with them to if we accept your application for this program. So we, we turned it into, instead of begging, to from us begging to them begging to get into that program. And this landing page, the value fuel landing page, was constructed in a way that the only logical thing that you can take as a call to action, as an action from this page, is to apply for this program. So there's nothing else in your journey in this business that you can do other than apply for this program, which is going to change your life and learn how to apply these techniques that you've already seen on this page to convert them to and use them directly for your business. So this mindset, mindset shift was what really made the big difference in this project. So you took what was on the webinar. So you basically ungated, in essence, what they had to register for a webinar to get this information. But now you're taking all that, the great information that they get on the webinar, ungating it and just putting it on a long form sales page. Or was it in a video? Like, tell us about that sales page. Like, you're basically like, this is a mind shift. People think, okay, well, you have to opt in to get this good stuff. What we really want is the good stuff after that, which is sort of the next step. So you're asking them for two commitments, which in a lot of cases 
is a great way in which to convert. Fine. You know, you get one commitment, you get another commitment. You know, it's just the basics of selling and basics of online marketing. However, in this case, you're taking all the goodies and you're putting it right up front, right after they click the ad. Tell us about that sales page. What was on it? Like how many iterations was there a video? Was it a long form? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, of course. So it was a long form sales page, pretty much. I'm not sure if I should call it a sales page because we were only promoting the application form. We were making them fight to get into that program. And we didn't use a video. We were using like a standard sales page format. And honestly, we didn't do any iterations on it after we launched it because it it was working. We were getting towards the end of this project and the page was working so good that it didn't really need them. After 10 tries with the previous funnel, we were able to nail it directly with the on the first try with this new page and this new strategy that we were implementing. So the page was a pretty standard one. We took all of the value from the video from the masterclass and we converted it into this copy. We made it, we broke it down into the most important sections of the video. We took only them. We didn't waste their time. Even though it was a long form copy, you could skim through the page or read the whole page in less than six, seven minutes instead of listening to a webinar for a full hour. And it, it was a big risk not to ask for their email because it could have backfired to us and not only not get any sales and not get any booked calls, but to lose also the leads that at least we were getting with the non-functional funnel. So it was a big risk. It was an experiment on our end, but it paid off really great. So the combination from having all of this value without asking from, for anything in exchange with making people fight to get into this program and to make them fight to fill out out this application form was what I think made this big difference in the process. So what happened next is we launched this funnel and we saw great results. The performance jumped incredibly and we, we were so excited. We, we were like, I stopped banging my head against the wall and being frustrated on not making this work. And then with all of this excitement came another mistake that we made on our end. So this project was really filled with mistakes. So we we used the same advertising, the same ad sets and the same creatives that we used for the previous funnel for the new one. So the copy and the creatives weren't really matching with that new funnel that we built out. So this this is this is a big issue that that we we had to address even when we launched the funnel so even with this issue the funnel was already performing so good and then we implemented new copy and new creatives that were speaking directly towards what people it was pre-framing them on what they're gonna see on this new landing page on this new funnel that they're gonna see and then from there it really exploded like making this shift so by fixing yet another mistake on our end, we were able to bring the results from with about 40% decrease in the cost per booked call. So the numbers are with the same ad spent, 
we previously with the, con- the control funnel of the client had about six booked calls. And then with this new variation that we had with the improved copy, we were getting about 16. So this is so actually actually 12, 12 because the, the, the ad spend was a little bit higher in the other in the new scenario. So six to 12. So this is a hundred percent increase. But you could spend more as a result, a hundred percent increase, but you could now spend more because you're getting lower cost per booked call with the new ads being consistent with the landing page, correct? Exactly. So this is tremendous. So what the, the end result is that the funnel completely changed. We actually left all things being equal left the ads the same, which is typically what you'll do. You don't, when you're testing a landing page or at least a first iteration of a new funnel, you don't, as a business owner, want to change your front end ads yet because you don't want to change too many things because as soon as you change your ads, is it the ads or is it the landing page? Is it the new, is it the new funnel or is it the ads? And you want to be able to test really one thing at a time in true A-B testing, unless you're doing some kind of multivariate testing. So even though Maria is saying we made a mistake, in the end, it's really, it's actually smart testing because you want to test one thing. What kind of impact can I make? Even if I don't have message, you know, you know, unanimity or, or you know, message market match from ad to landing page. If it's inconsistent, that's okay. Cause what you're trying to do is you're trying to test one element. And then once you say, okay, well, this new element, this, you know, this new page is beating the control funnel. Now you go back and then you start changing up your ads. And that's when you can really start to scale and grow. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that's what these guys started to be able to do. Thanks to your efforts. That's correct. Yeah. So the, this is pretty. This is pretty tremendous. I mean, these are like, these are amazing results, even at a smaller level. Now, this is not a huge business either. So you might say, okay, well, hey, they increased book schedule calls from twelve. I mean, from six to twelve, and then up to sixteen. Well, that's a lot for a smaller or a mid-sized business. Like that's a major increase, which is sustained over time, too. But these are all changes that are made in order to ultimately get what the business really wants, which is a book schedule calls and ultimately ultimately sales from those calls. It's not necessarily registrations, it's not necessarily leads. And I think so many people get so focused in on the leads and the registrations on the front end and getting a low cost per lead or a low cost per registration. That's all well and good if it serves your main purpose, was what you really want. And you know, at tier 11, I don't know whether you realize this, Maria, like for years and years, we did this for new customers for the agency. And we just stopped doing the webinar funnel because we realized, let's just give more value up front and then have people decide, all right, either I want to book out a call to, to schedule a tier 11 or I don't. And it's all free content, ungated content. This podcast is one example of that. And, you know, our YouTube channel and all the other sorts of things that we do. So this is a sea change, I think, in marketing now. And, you know, you might not collect the name and the email to put it into a drip sequence or so you can do broadcast emails or in an autoresponder. But at the end of the day, people are trying to grow their businesses. And it's not just about getting a lot of leads first. It's about getting sales, which is exactly what you did in this case study. So anything, any final words to add? This is, this is a pretty chunky journey that we have gone through here. Anything, any 
Like, what would you do? I guess, I don't know as if you would do anything differently because you did everything the right way, but it just sometimes this stuff does take time. Any sort of final thoughts on like how this whole process went, what you learned, like what people listening to the show can take away as well? So one of the things that maybe I would take as a lesson, I wouldn't change the process completely, but maybe I would have stopped a little bit sooner with the iterations when I was seeing that all of the tests were coming inconclusive. And so maybe you don't need 10 different variations of the page to realize that this is not working and maybe this is not the problem and you're not searching in the right place. So this is the only thing that I would do differently. But if we haven't gone through these initial phases of the research and this initial funnel, we would have probably never done what we did at the end, we we would we wouldn't have realized where the actual issue lays, and this is a takeaway that pretty much every business can get to simplify the process. Maybe you don't need a seven-step funnel in order to sell your product, or even in this case, to make people book a call. Maybe you only need three steps. Simplify it. Don't make people waste so much time on your funnel and give them as much value as you can as soon as possible. Not only after they give you their email or after they make a purchase, just give them as much as you can, as much as you can afford as a business in advance. And this is definitely going to pay off in the long run. Yeah, very wise words. I I, I would totally agree with that. I just think people now have, I mean, I think lead gen, collecting leads, collecting names and emails. Yes, you're, you know, you then own that data. That's zero party data as, as I guess, you know, Ryan Levesque called it, we call it level one <laughs> traffic that now you own. And especially in a day and age, like right now with attribution, you want to constantly be building your list. Yes, I get it. But when it comes to your entire business, think about what's the most important thing. And if you are giving something away right now that requires a name and an email, and it's not maybe working as well as it used to, maybe think about giving that content away for free. And then, you know, using Johnson boxes or calls to action or like you use some scarcity in this particular case, you know, apply now with some scarcity language, like not making it so easy for everyone to apply. And if you notice on the tier 11 site, this is kind of that way too. It's like, we don't take everyone on as a customer. There is exclusivity. This particular business does the same thing. They have limited resources, as do we. You know, there's not 10 Marias like at tier 11. There's one and a staff. You know what I mean? The point is, is, is think about what the end goal is and give away that content for free oftentimes is the counterintuitive but smart business decision to make. And I think the, the coolest part of this whole case study is when you sort of got away from the computer, thought about it, thought about your customer or thought about what you were trying to achieve. Yeah, you did 10 iterations. I mean, I love the fact that the 11th iteration was the one that was successful, by the way. Just, just saying. You know, is 10 too many? I don't know. I don't necessarily think it is. Maybe we would cut the cord a little bit sooner now. We learn things as we go along. But the point was, is you, you learn a lot by trying lots of different things and maybe trying things that don't work. And then ultimately it's getting you one step closer to the things that do work. 
So this has been absolutely awesome here today. I know this is your first podcast that you've ever done, and which is tremendous. And obviously, I mean, I, I'd love to say like where people can get in touch with you, but I mean, I guess they kind of know by now. They're probably gonna be like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we already know where to find Tier 11. But where can people connect with you directly? Maybe on your socials or anything else? Because if they want to hire you, they certainly know where to go over at tier11.com. But where can people connect with you directly, Maria? That will be LinkedIn. My profile is the same as my name, Maria Dobreva. And funnel specialist, I think, is the only one that comes up in the search bar. So it shouldn't be too difficult to to find me. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you all for listening. Make sure that you do subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Some people even listen to Stitcher these days, apparently, still. And let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. We do read all your feedback. And we are going to be announcing the winner of that contest, by the way, very shortly. The next time we can get Kasim back on the show, because he's doing, I don't know what he's doing today. He was on supposedly with Google with a more important call, Bria, but he missed out. Let me tell you. Follow uh, both of us over on the Twitters. It's Ralph HB and at Qasem Haslam. Go back to listen to previous episodes and all resources and show notes are going to be over at perpetualtraffic.com. We'll leave links to the things that we mentioned here inside the show. Until next week, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 